You are listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Hey all, this is Ninja. You're listening to a Chirp Radio artist interview. I'm sitting down today with Dianoga. Hey, I'm Jay Ryan. I play bass and do some singing in Dianoga. My name is Kip and I play the drums. And my name is Jason and I play the bass guitar. Thank you for joining me today. On your band camp, it literally says we still exist. Uh, y'all take a lot of breaks. I have to say though, <laughs> volunteering for Chirp Radio, I didn't realize how long it had been since you released a proper album because you've recorded in our factory sessions. We've promoted some of your shows. You're still a pretty active band. So talk about what your music production and playing schedule sort of looks like and what you do in between. We started this band when we were young in 1995 and we had a sort of a regular schedule of playing shows, going on tour, making records, uh, slower than some of our peers, but certainly uh, it matched up with what we could do at the time because we're all working jobs. And then uh, as we got involved in uh, more heavily in our jobs and families and had kids and stuff, we stopped traveling so much, but we continued to play. We took a break from Dianoga specifically and did a side project with our friend Tom Fitzgerald, formerly of C-Clamp. That band was called Whelms. We did a, a live chirp session at the studios. And then during the pandemic, Tom and Jason remotely recorded an album together called The Most Distant Object. And so then for the live version of that band, I myself and sometimes Kip have been drafted in to help round out the live version. So, And then when Dianoga plays live, we sometimes have Tom Fitzgerald come and help us with guitar parts or keyboard parts. So turns out the four of us are playing in three distinct bands. It's uh, sort of coming to a time where it's, we're ready to be doing some more Dianoga stuff right now. So we practice uh, once or twice a week. And the whole point is we've been playing music together pretty regularly for uh, about 27, 28 years at this point. Nice. Yeah. And I misspoke. Whelms uh, did play the Factory Sessions. And that was recorded by Mike Lust, who I've also interviewed on this podcast. We've heard of that guy. Fantastic audio engineer, yeah. Do you ever play shows with him or have you worked pretty consistently with him over the years? It's been a while since we've played shows with him, but he's uh, he's old school peer group from way back in the day in Luster King and uh, everything he's done since then. We're big fans of Mr. Lust. I found an old interview from, say, 1996 where you were talking about Luster King and I think he was on the same, was it Action Boy 300 or something label with you? Wow. Is that? That's, that's <laughs> ancient history, but Correct. yes. Yep. Yeah. You guys are babies when you did that interview. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still on the internet. You're not far behind. Grass and brush. Short. You were doing a lot of spoken word at that point. It seems like maybe you don't do that as much. Was that something that you were experimenting with at the start of the band? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that versus singing versus the instrumental? How do you sort of decide? I think at the beginning, we were just sort of figuring out what the sound of the band was going to be. And so that first four or five songs that we released all had some form of vocals on them. I don't know what your guys' memories of this are, but like when we got around to doing our first record, we were kind of writing music faster than vocals, and it just sort of naturally happened. Like our first record, I think, has maybe two songs that have vocals. Um, I think they all have something like that. So it started heavy, and then I think as we figured out what was the sound of the band, just sort of kind of naturally veer towards instrumental stuff. 
certainly. And I think another part of it is that some of the music that we were heavily influenced by as we were going into this uh, was probably light on vocals and what vocals there were were not, not overly musical. Uh, I'm thinking of like bands like Slint or Seam that had um, perhaps more of a very plain delivery. That was one part of it, probably a lack of confidence in singing. I think I've been responsible for pretty much all the vocals except for the B side of our first single that was Jason delivering, uh, building a playpen. I think that comfort level with singing and a little bit more musicality came later as we developed a little bit more as a band. Is it fair to say then that you started to feel like the two basses and the drums could sort of stand on their own and and be their own thing or you felt more comfortable with just those three pieces carrying all the weight part of it is a j answer because oftentimes we'd go in the studio with a song that had no i think intention at least from my perspective or the band's prior performances of it to have vocals and Jason and I would go get lunch for everyone, come back, and lo and behold, two or three of the songs would have vocals on them because Jay had been developing an idea maybe without sharing it and did it alone with the engineer and surprised us, I think, with that addition on a number of tracks that I can think of, particularly the first album as seen from above, maybe even more so with the second album. Yeah, Jay, you'd have to weigh in on that. You maybe had been hearing these songs for a while with lyrics in your head and decided to experiment with that in the studio, right? I think that's probably true. Some of it is the fact that my musicianship probably was not developed enough where I could feel confident trying to sing and play bass at the same time. I was writing to play bass as well as I could and not necessarily focus on singing. So the singing kind of got pushed into a bit of more of an afterthought. I think that shifted in later songs, you know, third and fourth albums. We didn't have a PA to practice vocals at band practice. You know, I may have had like, oh, here's eight lines of lyrics written, but there's no microphone for me to practice singing that. I think those are all sort of contributing factors. When you were constructing the band and you ended up with two basses and drums, was that intentional or was there a backstory into the formation of, of how these three instruments came together? I was going to say, I think it was a little bit of function of just like, the, like those were kind of the instruments we were most comfortable with. Jay and I had gone to school in Champaign, both playing in other bands. Every once in a while we'd get together or joke about starting a band with just bass players. And um, when we got to Chicago and kind of like lost the other bands we'd been playing in, started playing together. And the very, very first handful of practices, we did have a guitar player playing with us and he didn't stick around very long. So when it was sort of just the three of us, it was like, well, let's see what we can do with this. And we were aware that there were a few other bands that had a couple of bass players. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but like I... I distinctly remember thinking like, wow, it's really easy to schedule practice with just three people. So <laughs> some of it is like, hey, these are the these are the two people that I want to play with. They just happen to play drums and bass and none of us are like super singer songwritery person. So let's see what we can make with this kind of limited instrumentation. I remember the second time we got together being super and not having like known you guys musically really at all, really impressed with how much space you were able to fill up with two basses. It seemed impossible that there'd be enough high end, low end, and you know, to make it work, but you guys did and three pieces are just easier and more fun, right? <laughs> to come up with unique things to do with this combination of instruments. You know, I really like the beginning of the track, Maria. It's got a really long name. That's a fun, unexpected way to sort of use these instruments. What are some of the other things that you have done that have been your favorite sort of experimentation that really worked out? To your point of the beginning of Maria, 
we've always been super pro gimmick. If we can pull off a gimmick <laughs> that is fun and exciting or stupid, but hilarious, we're all for it, right? I mean, got to keep it interesting. We are only three instruments and we are lacking a huge sonic cloud in the, you know, no guitar. So there's a lot of space where it gives the drummer more of a brush on it. I think that comes out of just how naked I often feel with the basses and, and me. Sometimes not metaphorically. Yeah. Sometimes literally. <laughs> there was a while where we had a motto that was nothing is too stupid. Like we don't take ourselves too seriously. Like the song titles are often humorous to us at least. And I think we've always tried to add a little bit of like levity to the music. So I, I feel like the genres of music that we get lumped in with, I think a lot of times are thought of as being self-serious and emotional or too academic. And I think we've tried to balance that out a little bit with making things feel a little bit lighter or more whimsical maybe to you know some some sometimes more successful than others when you don't have a guitar to do a guitar solo let's just do a dropout <laughs> let's <laughs> let, 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 let's do a stupid masturbatory beginning of a song that starts with broken measures that end up coming to a beat that really has nothing to do with the rest of it and might be unnecessary altogether but what the hell and then title the song after the way that a woman who's barely speaks english has written us uh, an email explaining the importance of one of the songs to her and she signed it maria which has really got her heart messed up and that's to paraphrase the song title which includes words shouldn't be on the radio but nice i was going to ask about how you title your songs which i know sounds like a trite question but i just i do love some of the like pinata oblongata <laughs> that one we thought sounded like a i mean and i'm sure it does not to anyone else but to our minds it sounded a little bit like a police song you know the band the police and so that was a riff on their first couple of records Zendata, Mandata, and Outlander Seymour. That was the joking reference to that. Who are some of the your favorite people to have collaborated with, especially on stage? Andrew Bird. Andrew Bird plays uh, on our fourth record, Quennel, and um, did a handful of live shows with him playing some of his songs and some of our songs. And he's much more like schooled musician than we are. So playing with somebody who's got a totally different like music vocabulary where ours is rudimentary and like kind of pointing at the fretboard and he has a degree and he's much more of a musician, whereas we're like three dudes in a band. We're the Cliff Notes version. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you feel like you'd like to discuss, you know, any current projects, other projects that you might want to plug? Jason, as I mentioned, is in this other band with Tom Fitzgerald called The Most Distant Object. They put out an LP. And then uh, Tom from that band used to be in a band called Sea Clamp. They've just reissued all of their music in a box set. Kip, what else am I forgetting? I would say I'm possibly more relevant to the question. We are re-releasing all of our studio <laughs> and, and, and um, Oh, right. That. That. right. that thing, right? J- Jason, would you like to elaborate? Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it is a reissue on vinyl, remastered, all four of our studio albums, along with a fifth LP of singles and soundtrack songs. Uh, in a box, Jay and another friend of ours who is a great artist are reimagining all the artwork uh, and it includes a book with more information than anyone would ever want to know about the band Dinoga. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate having talked to you all. This has been an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find this and more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. 